0: this morning because I and you may you may not be surprised to know we're going to put on the Lord Jesus one more time. <laughs> uh, Barry's got it as number 10. I've got it as number 11, but it's it's somewhere in, in there. So let's go to Colossians chapter three and let's put on the Lord Jesus. That's what I like to do. I like to talk about the Lordship of Jesus being strong in the Lord. Uh, that's that's uh I I believe that's what the word is all about is getting strong. It talks about eating meat versus drinking milk and uh, being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So I, I think that is once you get born again, that is the theme. It says in Colossians chapter three, verse nine. Three, verse nine. Praise God. Lie not one to another seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, verse 10, and, put, and have put on the new man, and have put on the new man. He's telling the church at Colossae, don't forget, it wasn't a transaction. Same thing with being baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's another emphasis that we're going to start running into is we're going to start talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost And and getting back or getting reimmersed in that power, that life, that fullness of being filled with the Holy Ghost. So, but you know, you can leak out because the word says in Ephesians, be filled and being filled. So there's a constant refreshing. But in verse 10, it says, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So I have some more uh, uh, statistics. But aren't, are y'all ever amazed? Do y'all just sit there and think sometimes uh, that the world has not seen the difference between the world and the church? And this goes to what Melissa was just saying, authentic. An authentic Christian. And then a group of authentic Christians that want to be an authentic body or a church that we want to do what the word says. This is our standard. This is our this is this is our life. And so the world obviously does not regard the difference between a church member or a Christian, as it were, and the world. Used to be you could, you, you would, a long time ago, they stood, they stuck out. They stood out. Said, oh, you can trust him. He's a Christian. You, you'd like to do business with him. He's a Christian. He's, he's, he goes to church or he's, he's, uh, she's this or she's that. Uh, there's a difference, but it's kind of faded would you all agree with me? It's kind of faded in the world right now. The difference between a Christian, it's almost a label. It's almost a, a badge that you just say. But like I just said, the world has so little regarded us. I remember the first time in Seminole, Texas, they started letting the football team practice on Wednesday night. It was unheard of. It was scandalous because we had youth on Wednesday night. And they were gonna have football practice on Wednesday because it was a day and they're always looking for another day. And we just roared. And they placated us a little bit and said, okay, this, that, and the other. But then it just came back in another form. And then blue laws, y'all know, where you couldn't sell things, certain things on Sunday. It's not whether that was good or not. It's just that it was a regard. They, they said, it's Sunday We're not going to do those things on Sunday, which deferred then to us, deferred to the kingdom. But here's why. Here's why these things happen. Eighty one percent of U.S. adults believe in God. And you go, well, that's not too good. And that's just four out of five. But as far back as only 2017, it was 87 percent. So was we, we, that? We've dropped 6% in six years. Four out of 10 be, uh, people believe God can, C-A-N, can intervene in people's lives. Wow, is that, is that astounding? Or is that like, well, whoa, who would have thought of that? Well, if he can't intervene in people's lives, what do we need him for? What's he doing if he's not intervening? It's a one and done. I got you saved, and then I went on vacation. I'm not coming around. I but uh, but uh, 28% of, of people believe that God cannot intervene in people's lives. He is worthless. He's useless. 17% of Americans do not believe in God. I believe by practice it would be more than that. But on deathbed, it probably wouldn't be that many. I believe everybody says, since we're here and we can't go to any more parties, we're on our deathbed. Let's lob one over there and say, I, I, I believe in God. Hallelujah. Uh, Four percent. I don't know what this is. Four percent believe everyone is God. You've heard that before. One out of 25 believe we're all gods in, in a negative sense. Uh, Sixty nine percent believe that God is all powerful and all knowing and he is the perfect creator and he is ruling the world. Sixty nine percent. That's different than believing that there is a God. Seven percent believe that God is the total realization of personal and human potential. Yeah. You're smoking something when you when you believe that you're. You or maybe you should smoke something. Four percent believe that there are many gods, each with different power and authority. Do y'all know these people? I've never met them, but 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 they don't come they don't come around, so you don't know what they believe. Nine percent of all people believe that God is a state of higher consciousness that a person may reach. And 51%, would you say half, would believe that all that God accepts all faiths. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Islam, all of them. He, there's many ways to God. And then that would come into Lynn's favorite bumper sticker, Coexist, where we're all just God's children and... Quit making a big deal about it because he loves all of us and it's all going to work out fine. So that's what's out there. That's pretty scary, isn't it? But on the other hand, I pay no attention to that, especially them that think that God cannot intervene. Listen, it just makes it where we've got something that we can show up with. The The reason we can't impress anyone or get anybody is because they don't think we have any power. And if we don't show up with any power, they would be right. It doesn't take much to turn this around. They don't want to hear you preach. This man that came in this morning, he wouldn't let me talk. And, you know, I, I can talk. But he's just telling me, well, the scripture, this and the Bible, that and I, the you know, and all this. And it's like, shut up you're the one here looking for help not me just show up with power show up with a word of knowledge show up and lay hands on the sick and watch them change show up and know what you're talking about you go why are we going through 10 weeks of of, uh, put on the Lord Jesus it's not for you you already know the Lord Jesus but it's so that you can talk someone else, you can demonstrate to someone else to put on the Lord Jesus. This isn't for you so much, although it does put a, a rod of iron down in us, but it's so that we can, we, we can tell it and then demonstrate it. We're, we're not trying to get you saved. We're trying to get someone else saved through you because you're the answer. You're the only answer. There's no one else. You are peculiarly, specifically, and uniquely made to minister to somebody. Your experience, your testimony, your, your insight, you and the gifts of the Holy Ghost that are in you and on you, you are, you are Jesus that showed up for them. Your name's Joe and, and, and uh, he, not Jesus, but they see Jesus in you. And they believe because you believe and believing is more than just assenting. It's demonstrating. So so everything in front of you, if you say, you know, how come the world's going to hell in a handbasket? It's because we're not telling anybody different. We got to demonstrate it. We got to demonstrate it. You, you we got to demonstrate it we got to have a a radar scan going all the time saying i'm looking for somebody that needs what i've got because they're looking for what i've got they just don't know who's got it but i'm gonna i'm gonna show myself as the one that's got it and they let on They, they 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 they're all desperate the world's desperate all those men on that construction site this morning are all desperate. They're up there because they're out of money. They're up there because that's their job. They're up there because they don't have anything to do on Sunday. And they just said, boss, we want to work on Sunday because we, don't, we need the money and we don't have anywhere to go. And so they're working. It's not nefarious. It's not evil. It's not wicked. It's just a lifeless generation that's just wandering through. Well, we got the life of God in us. And you, by by our testimony that we heard this morning, all you got to say is a few words in succession. And suddenly you've got their attention. Suddenly they want to give you their business. Suddenly they want to trust you. Suddenly they want to know what else you know that they don't know. Because they're looking. They're looking. So we're going to put on the Lord Jesus. In the Weiss translation, it says, having stripped off... And away from yourself and for your own advantage, the old, antiquated, outworn, decrepit, useless man, that person you were before you were saved. Y'all, we got to admit we wasn't we wasn't much before we got born again. It's your greatest attribute. Now I know you're pretty and I know you know how to make money and all that. But that's in the world in spades. With, its evil, with his evil practices and having clothed yourself with the new man, the person you are after you are saved. I'm a new man. I am the person that's different after I got saved. I, I have a different walk. I have a different talk. I have a different goal. I, I'm excited about stuff. Aren't you? Aren't you excited about stuff? It's just that they're not coming up and saying, tell me all you know. Well, we'd sit down, we'd say, come over to our house, eat supper, and we'll tell you all we know. So we just got to make that connection. Um, Let's say this this morning. You may have done what they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Now that's important to know because if you don't know who you are, then by default, you are what you did. You are your history until you change your history, your identification. You, you, we don't like being what we did back when we were youthful and what the, you know, what, the mistakes we made, we've all made a bunch. I'm sure. I, I know I have. But if, if you don't change your past then by default you are known and you are limited by your past. And you go, well, I'm born again. But unless you know that and put on the Lord Jesus, that's what I'm saying. Unless you put him on, then by default the old will always bleed through the new birth and that will be who who you are in you, condemned, ashamed, guilty, Not not overtly, but it just comes aside. It comes out. We're not bold. Why aren't we bold? Well, because we don't know who we are. If we knew who we were, actually, we'd blow them up. We'd blow them up because we'd go. There's no downside to this. If the devil takes me out, I'll just go to heaven. So it's like, what have you got to lose? Well, my reputation. Oh, you're guarding something. Well, if your reputation is the new man, you're well guarded. You don't have to change anything. So I wrote down this. I got this, and so I'm just gonna uh, read it. Don't blame others for remembering a past that you refuse to forget. Don't blame others for remembering a past that you can't forget. That you live, that you back, back off the things of God because that's who, well, I'm just a little self. I'm little, I'm little. I'm a little man, I'm a little person. I, you know, I, I can't do anything, never did anything. My daddy didn't do anything. Well, none of that stuff you'd ever say, but it, it affects your attitude, your outlook, your perspective, it's everything. Your identity is who you default to. And so if you don't get rid of your if you don't put on the Lord Jesus, then the default and all of us have a past. All of us have. It didn't work out. All of us have disappointments about the, the gospel. We prayed a prayer and we believed and we put it all along the line and it did not happen. We all have those experiences. We could spend days and weeks trying to work through what happened. But it doesn't matter. That was the last thing that happened. And so now we're blunted in our boldness and our ferocity to go do it again. The cat that hops on the hot stove will never hop on a stove again, Mark Twain said. The gospel of Twain. Hallelujah. So once you've been burned, you know, you don't want to go, you don't want to get burned again. Well, that doesn't matter. We we're fearless. Back then we were stupid. We did all sorts of crazy things in the name of the Lord. And it wasn't God. It, it was, and he couldn't back it. So here we are. So until you know who you are, no one respects what you don't know. In other words, if you don't know who you are, no one will respect you. You are just the world that has a Sunday habit. Can I speak plain? Yeah. That's how it is. That's how it is. I'm, I don't want to psychologize you, but that's how it is. If you don't know who you are in him, then you are whatever you did, whatever you said, whatever you you are your past. And that's not too bright. That's not too glorious because your past may be worse than somebody else's past. So how are you going to help them if you think you are what they are or worse? So we got to put the past aside. That's who I was, but I have, I, that's not who I am. Well, are you saying you're perfect? Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, what about all those things you did? Pretty much. He took my past away. He took it away. It's gone. It's, I'm the new man. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have they become brand new. I, I am who I am in him, and that is, that's a historical thing. And all this stuff that they're trying to do in the nations to get people to, to pay up for things that were done back during the Civil War and other times, and I get it. I certainly get it. And it is wrong. And we do have a, 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 some sordid chapters in our lives. Not just that. There's all sorts of other things. But we all have to just move on. Jesus is our, uh, faith is our great equalizer. That's right. Somebody treats you wrong, well, join life. Because everybody has a story about how come it didn't work. I walked to school five miles Uphill, both ways. (laughs) I mean, everybody's got a story. My mama died when I was 12. And yeah, it's some terror. My stepmother, my stepdaddy, all the stories that we have. Get over all of it because Jesus fixed it. Faith in God fixed it. And we don't want to hear your story. We don't want to hear your story because we've got a better story than yours. And we don't wanna talk about that. We wanna talk about how he set me free. He set me free. So you're not free if you talk about your old story. If you're, if you're dwelling on that, if you, if you think about why, why it was hard for me or why it wasn't fair, that's what everybody wants to talk about is things that are, they wanna make everything fair. In our nation right now, we're trying to do this great equalizing where it's fair for everybody. Well, the only thing that's fair is the kingdom of God. The world is not fair in any way, in any realm. And so if you try to get fairness or justice out of the world without Jesus being the justifier, the righteous one that makes you righteous, there is no relief. There is no way out. There's no escape. It's always going to be, I, I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire. There, there's no place to go in the world. And so when Christians act like the world, they can't tell the difference between us and the world. So they think we're hypocrites, and why wouldn't they? Because we, we complain about government without praying about it. The Bible says, first of all, pray. Well, we don't pray about it, we just complain. Well, you're just like the world then. Well, my money's no good. Well, that's the world. Well, the doctors, I mean, my body is just falling apart or whatever. That's just the world. So we got to put on the Lord Jesus or quit complaining and just say, I'm going to be a mediocre, milk toast, nominal milk drinking Christian that goes to heaven. And just accept that you want to go to heaven, but you want to live like the world. And that can be done. And in wholesale lots, it's being done. But if you're rare, and it shouldn't be rare, it should be normal, but if you're rare and you say, I want to mark my place in life, I, I want to be who he says he is, I, I am. I want to put on a new identity. Well, you're going to have to pay a price. It's called consistency. You're going to have to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, in a, in a sense. And you can't do everything that the world's doing. You just can't. Well, I want to. Well, then just join the world. It's just a half a step over and you'll be there. But I want to. Well, you're carnal. But carnal Christians can go to heaven. But you got to wait. And you're not going to have any power. You're not going to have any power any anointing or any favor or any, any grace on your life because you're, you're stirring the world's fire. N- no condemnation. Just don't complain that you don't have what the people that are paying the price for living that life are having. You want it without the price. Right. And the price is authentic. It's what Melissa said, Well, authentic. To be authentic... You got to suffer. You got to suffer the 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 image of seeing what the world's doing that you'd like to do. That's fun. And it is. But there's a price for it. So well we don't want to pay the price. Well, then you can't play. I didn't mean to get cranked up this morning, but that's 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 the reality. If we're going to be an authentic church, we just got to say we have we have two products. We have the world church and we have. A spiritual church. And just everybody can go where they want to go. You Do whatever. Find your level. Find your place. And we'll all be happy with all of it. No condemnation. We don't look down on weak Christians because we were one. I was. And sometimes I wake up and go, gosh, that is weak. That is little. That is carnal. That is... Worldly, Michael, do y'all ever do that? Do y'all ever come to yourself and say, what? Yeah, we do. I hope you do. Ephesians chapter one. Turn there, please, if you would. Ephesians chapter one. We're going to shuck the corn this morning, if y'all don't care. If you know what that means. We're going to, we're just going to say it and then you, you judge it. I am not trying to get you to follow anything. I'm just telling you what the Lord says and to the best of my ability. It says in verse 3 of chapter 1 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We could say amen right there, couldn't we? Amen. Who hath blessed us with all, O A L L, spiritual blessings in heavenly places then he puts in that pesky little word in Christ, that in Christ thing. He's blessed us, but it's conditional. It's in Christ. Well, how come I don't get the blessings? Well, it's in Christ. Are you in Christ? Well, I don't know. Ah, you don't know. Well, if you don't know, then you're living in the default world of who you were and what you did and what you had instead of what he made you. According as he hath chosen us in him. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. You know, that was way back there, y'all. That was before Adam. That was before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Then he gets deep. He says, having predestinated us, having willed us, under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So he starts telling the plan. This is how it works. I'm blessing you. I made you my sons, my daughters. I adopted you. And uh, then he says, according to the good pleasure of his will. He liked it. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath, past tense, he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved right now. Can we say that together? I'm accepted in the beloved right now. Well, I'm a little carnal. Well, right now he's accepted us. Well, I don't do it right and I don't like to do it right. And I like to have my thing. He's accepted you in the beloved anyway. He's not. This is not a beauty contest. This isn't a works seminar. He said, I like you just because you're my kids. We all have that experience. Thank God it works because that's how we made it through with our parents. You think they liked everything you did? No. (laughs) Oh my. In whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, they're forgiven. They're forgiven. How? According to the riches of his grace. That's how we know we're born again. It's his grace, not our judgment. Wherein, meanwhile back at the ranch, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. That's why you can know everything that God knows about you. Because it's a mystery. But if you ask, if you say, where's this going, Lord? He'll tell you. What do you want me to do about this, Lord? He'll tell you. Lord, what about so-and-so in my life? I, I like them, but they're, they're naughty all the time. He'll tell you. Well, I don't want to know. Well, d- Live in darkness. According to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Uh, let's see if that's... The, yeah, that's the lesson. So, so the question is, you have to ask, am I in Christ? Because this is... a. This is six verses to them that are in Christ. This is who we are if we're in Christ. So you have to identify yourself. Well, I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Well, you might, you are in Christ, but if you don't know it, you're going to default to what you've done. My history is who I am. You want to know who I am? Let me tell you about my history. I was bad this and I did that and I couldn't get over that and I divorced this and I stole that and I... Whatever your history was, we all have one. We're ashamed of it. We don't like it. But on the other hand, we're forgiven of our sins. So what difference does it make? So why? Here's the question I'm going to ask you this morning. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? We need to know what motivated him to come. What? This is a lot of work. God's God. He He enjoys himself. Well, the reason he came is so that he that he could make us, Jesus could make us like him. You go, oh, that's crazy. But we want our kids. Listen, we birth them. We raise them. We want them to be like us. Matter of fact, our, most of us want them to be more than us, to have more, to do more, to have a Every advantage we had, plus some that our parents were knuckleheads about and airheads about and, and wouldn't and couldn't and didn't and all that. We were like, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to bring justice to my children in a way that wasn't brought to me. So when we go to God and say, why did the Lord Jesus come? It's not because he wants us to be more than him, but he is very fond of us as children and he wants us to be just like him. In other words, he's making the family all the same. I can see that. Can y'all see that? I mean, you've got to you see the Lord's side. He's not just clean up on aisle three. He's trying to, to... He enjoys us. That's part of what makes him God. But that's what makes you God in your family. Is that if you're normal, just even secular... You want your kids to be blessed. Parents do without so they can get their kids an advantage to get to have nice clothes to wear to the first day of school and to and to drive up in a nice car. And, you know, all those things that we do in the back of our minds. That's for our kids. And that's in us by him. And so the reason Jesus came was so that we'd be like him. You go, well, everybody knows that. Nobody knows that. They should, we should, but nobody knows that. They just think he came to forgive us of our sins. But he didn't. He didn't come because it wouldn't have worked. Forgiving us of our sins wouldn't have changed the nature that causes us to sin. Iniquity is a nature Righteousness is a nature. Iniquity is a nature. Sinning is not a nature. Sinning is the act of iniquity. Iniquity, which is the devil, he can't help himself. He's a liar and the father of lies. He can't help himself because that's his nature. And so everybody that you're dealing with that's not born again, let me just describe it to you, has the nature of iniquity. It's not like, oh, they're, a little, they're a little rough. My friends that aren't saved, they're a little rough. No, they, they are evil personified. They are the nature of iniquity. And when you get into God being the nature of righteousness, which is total light and total life, then when you go to the other side, the devil's nature, he's total darkness, total. There is no light in him. Well, sometimes the devil will bless you just because, no. He, if he ever appears to bless you, he is setting you up. It's called a hustle. He's setting you up so he can take you down. And then he's total death. He's total death. Everything that he touches, everything that he influences, everything that you let him into your life, has got death on it. Steal, kill, destroy. It's got death on it. And it is dark. You cannot see the end of anything He's doing except that it's always evil. It's always iniquity. So that's why Jesus came. It's so that He could make us just like Him. Well, we just want to be a little better than the, than the sinners. No, just like Him. If you put on anything less than just like Him, then you have de- degraded... De- 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 you've made little... Of the purpose and the call of of Jesus in your life. He has come to make you just like him. As he is, so are we. It's an equal sign. It's the as the level of this is, so is the level of that. It's not like we did the best we could with what we had. God breathed into Adam the breath of life. That's where we started. So the first Adam is where we started. It was marvelous. He was never going to die. Eden was a, was a transplant of heaven. God liked it down there. He walked in the cool of the day. We've missed it. We've thought way too little of what happened. We, we, we have... We talk about some of the politicians changing history, making history. Well, we've changed history in the church and we've made Jesus an upgrade. Well, we're upgraded. But if you're upgraded as a you're not born again, you're not regenerated, you're upgraded. Then you can be downgraded. What a man gives you, he can take away. And what God gives you, he can take away, except if he changes you and then destroys the old. Sometimes, you know, we get something new and we keep the old one in case we need parts out of it or something. Except at my house. A <laughs> room is premier at my house. Space is the ultimate. And we just say there's If we ever need a part, there's plenty more where that came from. I live that. Well, we may need this. This may break down. My stuff doesn't break down. But if it wears out, we'll just get a new one. Now, I, I think different than some people. And they don't like how I think. But that's how I think. That's how you ought to think. There's plenty more where that came from. It's everywhere. It's all over. I am a son of God. Why would I need anything? I rule and reign. I am more than a conqueror. I always triumph in him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. As he is, I am of the same measure and stature and favor as he is. As he is, I am. Only our mother can tell us apart. (laughs) That's a real funny joke. If you all catch it here in a minute, it'll, it'll come out wrong. Hallelujah. So we've been upgraded from the Adam class. It's even an upgrade from him to go to the Jesus class. The second Adam was even better because Adam was not sealed. Adam was able to be born again the wrong way from light to dark because he wasn't sealed. Everyone has to confess that Jesus is Lord. Everyone. Jesus is going to visit the bowels of the earth and preach to the captives because everyone has to make the decision. And Adam was not sealed. But when you're born again, you made a choice. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And if you don't, then then it didn't happen. But once you make Jesus Lord, you are sealed. And sin cannot touch what he sealed. You may be wonky in the brain, the soul, the mind, the emotions. You may be whatever, whatever. But this part down here is forever sealed. And it's not going anywhere. You may not like that. You may wish it is different. You may want a different system of justice or whatever. But since you weren't in charge, I wasn't in charge. He could have done it your way, my way, the way. But he did it his way. And then he said, I'm going to write it down. And as I write it down, that's how we'll all know it is. I won't change it. I won't rewrite And so that's how it is. I'm sealed. I am born again. I am a son of righteousness. I am righteous because his nature of righteousness, as any father's nature would be in their their son, their child, it's in me. It's in you. Now the soul is wonky bonk. We did not get a new one of them. We have to renew that. We have to change it. And so we get weird stuff. Not out of weird people, out of us. We all have a history of our transition from the new birth to where you are today. Is that right? Yeah, we all have a history and we remember it and we're ashamed of a lot of it. But if you open it up, you'll see how the Lord went and supernaturally behind the scenes gathered people into your life and caused things to happen that you now look back and go... Well, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have been this. And we see the hand of the Lord in our past, don't we? Yeah. So he's amazing in every level. Hallelujah. John 3, 3. John 3, 3. We may not be the Methodists this morning. Hallelujah. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, here he said it, except, except, no exceptions, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The, uh, the, the, the cotton patch says, I want to make it clear, Jesus answered, that no one can be a member of God's family unless he is fathered from above. So the coexist people don't have, a, they're wrong. 49% of all American society or whatever it was, Uh, yeah, 51% believe God accepts all faiths. Now the church, the church people don't, but there's a lot of us that aren't, that are out there that aren't going to church. So uh, we're born again. You go, well, how hard is that to figure out? We, We think about that too much. We need to settle it. We need to settle it. I am who he says I am, and I can do what he says I can do, and I have everything. Legally speaking, I have everything he says I have. Now, there's the experiential side where I have to go and actually possess it, but legally he's saying, I've signed it over. Go cash this check. It's It's good. Amen. Amen. So how do you get born again? Let's just before I finish this series, let's just let's just run this through real quick. First of all, you have to say this is really important and we miss this. Lots of lots of churches miss this. First of all, you have to you have to identify as a sinner. If you identify as a pretty good old boy you might not get born again because you didn't make a transition. You, your transaction was like an upgrade. You, so people that, to get born again, you got to say, I am a rank sinner. I am desperate in my life. There is nothing I can do to save myself. And uh, I'm hopeless and I'm lost. When you lead people to the Lord, you got you to bring that. Because they're thinking, I just need a little dab to, to, for insurance to make sure that I'm over the line, to get me over. And, and you got to take them to the bottom. And they, if they flutter, if they carry on and say, well, you know, whoa, I'm not a sinner like those people are sinners. I'm just, I go to church. And I believe in God or whatever. you got to take them all that fluff, all that snow. you got to take them out of that and say, you are a sinner You are desperate because you are without God and you have no path, no avenue, no way to get to God. You are always on the outside until you become who you are, a sinner. And then that sinner, you have to lead them to this, that they call on God and say, Lord, if you can do anything with me. If there's any avenue for me, I'm wretched, hopeless, and without. I'm telling you how to get people born again. Because a lot of people that have got born again in a church where they just ask Jesus into their heart, that sounds like an upgrade. That sounds like, well, he's everywhere and God loves everybody and we're all God's children. I just ask him to, to, to get him an address here. And put me on his mailing list. Michael Ray, I, he lives in Tuscaloosa. Oh, okay. I'm, I, I'm on the mailing list. Instead of saying, I am hopelessly lost. And Lord, if there's anything that you can do, I want to, I want to be with you. So there's got to be that place where they open their heart for a place for Jesus to come in. Otherwise, they just stick him on, you know, just... He might blow off in a a strong wind, but we just stick him on. And people don't get born again. And you go, well, how do you know? Because they act like the devil. They still act like sinners. They're not changed. They're not transformed. They act like the devil. And you go, ooh, I don't think it stuck with you. I don't think you transacted. I think you, you, you didn't cash your check. And they're everywhere. And therefore, we have a society that says, we're all Christians. We go to first church. And Mama's buried in the back of first church. And that's how come we know. And we're American, too. Just all sorts of things. Uh, 51% believe God accepts all faith. Well, if you got that kind of loosey-goosey, you got lots of goose. So you got to take them to the place that says, God, I'm asking you if there's any way for me to be reconciled with you. I am a sinner. I am hopelessly lost. I'm desperate and without any hope of gain. And when they go there, when you take them there, you're on the outside. You you are hell bound. You may not have done what some have done, but until you're over the line, and then you lead them to Jesus. They confess with their mouth. Lots of churches They just say, well, if if that's you out there this morning that wants to ask Jesus in your heart, just do it there at your place. And so they're thinking, think. And so they think it, but they don't say it. Faith, faith comes out of the body through the mouth. Sin goes out of the body through the mouth. Salvation comes into the body through the mouth. And thinking is a dangerous thing. It acts like it's real, but it's not. And there's no transaction. And you go, well, doesn't God love? Can't he just overlook that? Can't he just bless the little ignorance in the church? Sorry, there's just one way. It's the only thing that he's just adamant about is the new birth. And think about it if salvation is just like healing and healing is so difficult for people to attain think about what is required in the new birth it's required in healing so if we mess up healing how many people are messing up the new birth good enough close enough is close enough James chapter one we got just a few minutes here would you all go with me to James yes. if you'll be patient with me I'll'll I'll, I'm trying to end this series I really am not that it's a bad series it's not a bad series it's just that uh, you you got to be patient and let us Take the old roof off before we put the new roof on so that it won't leak, so to speak. So verse 23, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You know, glass is the word mirror. He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, a mirror. What is that, James? For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man is blessed in his deeds. So he's telling us here, the word is your reflection. If you want to know who you are, what you have, what you can do, you got to go to the word. And it, when you get in the word, it will reflect your image, the true image, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. More than a conqueror through him who loved us always causes us to win. You'll see that in the word. If you go by your feelings, well, I'm just thinking about how I feel and how it probably is. You, you won't see yourself. But if you look in the word, you find out, well, yeah, Buddy. I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Little old me, little old me. There is multiple sclerosis. There is cerebral palsy. There is whatever, whatever. And it's just little old me. I can lay my little old hand on them and it will happen. How do you know that? Because I saw it in the word. I saw me in the word. I saw who I was. I saw who I am in the word. And I believe the mirror was reflecting the truth. Because y'all know when you're trying to get that little thing off your nose or that little thing off your ear or whatever in the morning, you got to look in the mirror and you got to believe that what you're seeing is the truth. Oh, y'all didn't like that. I can tell right now. Hallelujah. But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with open face, listen, listen, beholding as in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Oh, my When we look in the Word, what do we see? When we look in the Word, how do we see us? The glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We see ourselves in the Word, and we're changed. Well, gosh, I thought I was an old sinner saved by grace, but I see myself as the righteousness of God in Him. Oh, my, that's not what I expected. That's not what I thought. But I see me. I don't see Jesus. I don't see. I see me in the word. He says, you, Michael Ray, you are this. And I believe the reflection. I believe that what I see, which is glory to glory, I believe that's true. I believe the word and I'm changed. And I remember when I leave from there. What I look like, what I am, what I have, what I do. So what you thought about yourself based on who you were, what you did, your history. You get an upgrade, you get a change. It's not like I'm not who I'm not who I what I did. I'm not what I did. Let's say it together. I'm not what I did. That's what they did to the Lord Jesus. He went to his hometown. They said, "Who is this? His sisters are here. His brothers are here. His father wasn't he the carpenter?" They said, "This is who he is." Romans eight. Oh, excuse me. Let's go to let's go let's go to Romans eight. Uh, Romans eight. Yes, I like Romans eight. We, 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 I can't apologize for the time because we are where you we are hearing the word of God and it's changing us right here. And where do we have to go and what do we have to do that is more imminent than this right here? This this is Everything. I like Colossians 1.13. Listen to this. Who hath delivered us out of the power of darkness. Has delivered. Do y'all get a sense of delivered meaning completely removed? Has delivered us. He didn't say, well, he's, he's, he's working on you. Has delivered us from, out from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Sounds like a transaction. Sounds like something that happened that's still in place. Hath translated us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. That's where I am. That's my locale. That's who I am and where I what I do and what I have is what he did. But in Romans chapter eight, I hope you have a little star around verse 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if, well, it's verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Well, yeah. Do you all know that body? It's a wascally wabbit. I tell you that, that body is, it'll take you out. Paul said one place, he said, there is no good thing in my flesh. Well, it's pretty good. Nope, no good thing. He said but if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that'd be Holy Ghost, wouldn't it? He that raised up, if he dwell in you, excuse me, from the dead dwell in you, does he dwell in us? Yeah, I mean, he's in us. He's wall to wall and treetop tall, that sort of thing. Shall also quicken. The word there is, is resurrect, make alive. Shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, there's hope. There's hope that I'm not just going to heaven. That the transaction that's going to take me to heaven is also going to work on my body. My body. What do you have to do to activate him? Well, you got to believe he's in there. You got to look in the mirror. Find out he's in there. Who is it? The spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Well, if you raised him from the dead, could it be that he could heal me? That, That raising of the dead was pretty much on the outer spectrum, the extreme. And that anything else that we would experience would be on this side. However, he could raise us from the dead. So if he could raise us from the dead, everything's on the table. Sickness doesn't have a chance. It's been whooped. It's been defeated. It's been laid aside. For, that, for if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal body by that spirit that dwelleth in you. Well, here we are. The Phillips, the, the Barclay says, if the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, has his home in you. He will give life to your bodies, subject to death though they are, through the power of his spirit who comes and makes his home with you. We're supposed to be healed, y'all. We've got to stir up this Zoe life, this Zoe life, this Zoe life. The Philip says he will by the same spirit bring into your whole being new strength and vitality. So we got to put on the Lord Jesus. The uh, Philips, he will, by the same spirit, bring to your whole. Oh, wait, wait, that was the, Philip, the new life. Excuse me. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. If the same Holy Spirit lives in you, he will give life to your bodies in the same way. So how do you stir up Zoe? Because Zoe, where Zoe is, absolute life, absolute light. Absolute God, it's what makes God God. How do you stir Him up? How do you get Him activated in? Well, obviously, the Word. When you stir up yourself in the Word. Did y'all say Amen? Amen. When you sing in the Spirit. You ought to go around singing in the Spirit. de <laughs> be just walk around. Who knows what you're praying out? Who knows if your money that's just fixing to have a whack and you don't know about it, it's, but it's fixing to be hell through the keyhole, but you pray that out. You pray that, you get that thing going and suddenly that thing that was heading for you like a meteor to earth is averted and it goes out into space and you never even know we were almost done and everything's normal or better. We, we, we pray in the Spirit. We sing in the Spirit. You ought to pray in the Spirit. You know we don't do that enough. Uh, coming to church, expectancy stirred up because not that you can't read the Word and not that you can't stir yourself up and Holy Ghost tell you everything that I'm telling you this morning. But there's a new perspective because you and I will tend to talk ourselves into something based on our perspective. I was telling Deborah Ann the other day that uh, isn't it funny that when when there's ever a discrepancy on the football field or on the basketball or the baseball or or spelling bees, the mama that comes out of the stand is always on her little baby's side. The coach that comes out doesn't say, my guy's wrong. He, he, He didn't catch it. And so we have a perspective that defends us. It's just in there. But when somebody's preaching the word to you, teaching the word, you hear it from another side. Like, well, I never thought of that. And it changes everything. That's how he keeps us out of error. That's how he keeps us from going off down a a rabbit trail where we major on the minors, where we make a big deal about something that's not a big deal. Okay. You ought to get hands laid on you. I would if I was at River Church, if I had a need or had something going on where I needed strengthening, I wouldn't pay much attention to who's up there, Michael Billings or whatever, but I would depend on him and I'd go up and say, I need you to lay hands on me. Nobody would even have to know. You could just, or you could just say, this is where I am. I'd I'd get help. I'd get the cavalry to come over the hill for me. If I had a six shooter on this side and I had it out, I'd say, can you take your six shooter out and help me? And we just say, yeah, we would. Uh, Zoe life replaces sickness and disease and pain. It's hard to put someone down that's got resurrection life stirred up. So in the name of Jesus, we stir up Zoe life this morning. We stir up if that same spirit that raised, raised, resurrected our Lord Jesus from the dead in the bowels of the earth, the pit of hell. If it raised him up and that same spirit dwells in me and he does. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you dwell in us. You are big. You are all over. You're not a little dabble do me. You are in there big. And you're waiting on me to stir you up so you can do what God, the Father, wants you to do for me, the Son. I, and I, so I stir you up, Holy One. I say, this thing's ravaging my body. This thing's tormenting my mind. This thing at work is just going the wrong way. Lord, I stir you up in Jesus' name. And I put on the Lord Jesus. I put him on. It's not little old me standing there, helpless and defenseless, but it's the greater one in me, and I win every time. I put you on, Lord Jesus, all over this house, all over broadcast. We put you on, Lord Jesus. We put you on. We, we are obviously sorry that we've gone through troubles because we did not put you on, but now we put you on, and we win every battle, every battle for your kids Every battle for your grandkids, every battle, every battle. You just take this to it and say, this is how I win. Here's the word and the Zoe life in me is activating that for my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, amen. (laughs) Ah, I like this. We all love to tell the truth and to hear the truth. It is. Sets things in. The truth sets you free. So that means it knocks off everything that binds us and. And enslaves us and hinders us. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. I loose the Holy Ghost in this room. For the gifts of the the manifestations of the Spirit, that we will flow in word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Prophecy flows like a river. We, we might be talking, we might be prophesying. That discerning of spirits and gifts of faith, gifts of healings, that the Holy Ghost would, get a seat of said, a would flow in us and through us. And that these are our best days. Lord, we speak a move of God. You want us to host it. We speak this move of God into our city of Tuscaloosa. And we defy every evil power that comes to distract the citizens of Tuscaloosa County. This 205,000 people, we sanctify you by our faith. We deliver you from this trouble by our faith. We, there was two spies that were right and ten that we're wrong. So it doesn't matter, Lord. There's there's more for us, more in us than there is in them. And we declare this county of Tuscaloosa, this state of Alabama, set apart for the glory of God. We do not ask how. We do not wonder how could this be. We just know you told us to take the land. And that's what we're doing in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Woohoo! Glory to God. Amen. Amen.